0: Good afternoon and welcome to Find Your Sparkle with Jen where you'll be informed, inspired and entertained. I'm your host Jennifer Stewart, owner of Jazz Potential and creator of Find Your Sparkle and today I am very excited to have my good friend Angie Chance all the way from Arizona on the phone today. Welcome Angie.
1: Good morning, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh
0: my golly, I'm excited for you to be here. Now, I just have to give a little bit of background. You and I met actually a little over a year ago online when we were both preparing to go to Phoenix, Phoenix for the Growth Summit. And that was an absolute amazing event. And we connected really, really quickly. And it was just, it was an amazing synergy. And we've been friends
1: ever since. Yes, definitely. I feel like we are definitely soul sisters. We were brought together by a, uh a bigger force than ourselves, that's oh. for sure.
0: Oh my golly, absolutely. And as a result, you shared part of your story last year on Find Your Sparkle with Jen about your health concerns. So can you, we're, we're going to, you have another journey, but just to give our audience a little bit of background, can you kind of give us like the Reader's Digest version about some of the health challenges that you had and some of the miracles that took place?
1: Yeah, so I started out... um, and it was a very, it was one of the mystery, mystery things that, that are going around. Actually, it's very common now um, <clears throat> in, this, in this day, in 2019, to have several autoimmune diseases with no answers and, and um, a lot of medication and drugs and a lot of treatment and illness um, that goes unnoticed or, or is just a mystery. And that was the situation I was in. And so I had ended up with 45 diagnoses. I was given three months to live. Uh, and at that point was when I realized, uh, this was like a, it was a 17 year journey, but the last seven had been, you know, critical. And I was, I was then disabled, um, deemed disabled by the doctors. And, um, and so I, I was, was, uh, given an opportunity when, when that happened, when they gave me, you know, a couple months to live and or a few months to live. And that was when I decided, I said, okay, now what God? I right. realized I'd made all the physicians, my God. And, and at that point is when I, I had to start surrendering and in a forced way. So it took me to my near death to realize that there was actually hope that I was actually worthy of, of life and worthy of, um, of, of, being able to, to live this life and to, um, to love and to bless. And so I was, it was given the opportunity to go to a healing center called Angel Farms and, um, you know, we was, was able to get out of a walker wheelchair, um, you know, care about lung disease, heart disease, you know, type uh, two diabetes with insulin dependency. So a lot of several different diseases to include a traumatic brain injury that they thought might've been an early, early onset Alzheimer's. And so I've been on a journey um, since then. I went to a healing center and I was able to get out of the walker wheelchair and, and um, had several different miracles and uh, this, has been a journey. Um, I kind of expected that that would be kind of like, maybe I think my, like, aha, I found it all. Right. Was, you know, two and a half years down the road now, I'm realizing that this is all about a journey. Oh my golly. It's and never, so it's never kind of where we left
0: off. <laughs> yeah. So when we go be- before we move on to, you know, your whole, your whole healing process, when you went to Angel Farms, can you mm-hmm. give a little bit more of a background? Because you you skimmed through that really quickly and i know that this is high level but just so people can actually visualize you in that state you were on over 30 medications at that time and you were a lot heavier than you are now and you were i mean you said you were disabled but what that really looked like is you you were pretty much immobile you couldn't walk anymore really could you
1: right okay. yeah i was disabled and to a point of um to be honest before i even was in a walker in a wheelchair i was deemed disabled so um, it wasn't really um I know a lot of if you give a visual, a lot of the times the visual looks like a disabled person, you know it is isn't a walker in a wheelchair or does have some kind of ailment that you can physically see
0: right and
1: one of the things I think is really critical to bring up is that you know, the average person would look at me and see me and have zero idea that I had anything going on. Oh my golly. That's Um, so true. They might've seen that she's an obese woman. They might've, you know, those are the things that you see from the outside looking in. Right. Um, they might've seen, you know, um, I mean, and there's different times when I did look very ill. I do have some photos, you know, that, that are, that I didn't allow many photos be taken because of pride, but there are some where you can tell, but a lot of times, and I was, I mean, and there was, you know, they just, the, the diagnosis kept piling up, 45 prescriptions, you know, and, and I became, I was, you know, I was, it was dependent on, you know, incurable lung disease since I was four. So, and that's kind of what this process was, is it started with the lungs. And so it did look, it ended up looking very grim to where I did have, I mean, I, I did have, um you know, like I said, several, several different prescriptions, I had breathing machines, I had, you know, CPAP machines, um, you know, different heart things, I, um, I uh, I was a very, very isolated, isolated woman, right, um, broken, um, it took me to a place of, you know, severe depression, severe anxiety, it took me to a place of, feeling very, very unworthy, um, to where when I actually did go off to the healing center, I didn't believe that I was worth my own children's love nor the little oxygen I could take in. Oh, my golly. That must have been so hard, Angie. Yeah. I had become, so I I had become, you know, one thing I think I'd mentioned before was that I was revealed to me when I was giving an interview for growth the year before we met. Um, They had heard a little bit about my story and asked me to do an interview, and I just remember that uh, all I remember saying and, and sharing
0: um,
1: amongst all I shared was that I was a warden of my own prison. Right. And so it become um, something sort of, um, you know, very isolated. I was very isolated. I was shut in. Um, I did end up not being able to walk. Uh, one day I could. The next day I woke up and I, I wasn't able to walk. Um I was told I would never walk again on my hips and you got to see me walk and dance. on. I did,
0: which is very exciting, especially knowing, you know, what I know. And, you know, that person that I know and love so much, I can't even fathom you as that broken woman. Wow. That's that's interesting to think
1: of. Yeah, definitely. It's it's so true. And it's almost like a different... And now I see the progression and the growth and the healing and, and my, my, my hope and my mission is, you know, and like I told you with, you know, starting the nonprofit, A Second Chance is, is that I want people to know that, that it doesn't take to nearly die to realize that, that you're worth, that you're worthy, that you're worth self-care, that you're worth self-love. You know, I was taught to love one another. I was taught to love others like I love myself. Well, when I didn't know how to love myself, how was I ever to healthily love somebody else? Exactly. How was I even able to love my own family in a healthy way? So So that was a huge lesson that I learned. Oh my goodness.
0: So let's fast forward to the healing center. How long were you there and, and when you left the difference from when you entered there?
1: Yeah. So when I left, I left. It was I don't remember the exact date. It was still still vague for me back then. But it was March, the end of March, um, twenty seventeen. And when I did leave, I did, you know, I did say my final goodbyes to my family. Um, I did go. Um, I I didn't want to die. Yet I did. Right. I didn't want to be alive. I didn't want to be a burden anymore. I didn't want to be a potato anymore. Um, you know, I was you know, getting ready to have to go into a home to die, you know, and that wasn't what I wanted, obviously, and um, so I was torn between this place of, you know, I I don't want to be here, but I have to be here, because I had a special needs son, at you know, at 15, who I knew needed me, and that was my why, that was really, truly my only why, because I figured everything else was taken care of, right,
0: Um, even
1: though I do have, you know, older daughter, um, but I, that was my why. And when I, you know, I left, when I did leave, you know, we'll turn a walker, and um, I didn't know if I would come back, truly come back in a body bag or a seat, right. in my belief. And wow. I, um, you know, I was received. I had, I had, I think I had shared. I didn't, I didn't have any money, you know. like right. I'd spent. We'd spent everything we had, all the financials to save my life on other modalities, and then this door. A salesman came to my door. Or some birds showed up. A salesman came to my door, and I had this opportunity offered to me. So we had paid the deposit and an airline ticket, my, and um, and I just told my husband that I said I was just going to go there and sleep there because I at the, to this point in my life I just didn't believe I was worthy and worth it. And I had I at this point now I had to jump off a cliff, which to me was good on you know across the ocean to this healing center, right? And just surrender everything and just say, okay, I trust. You know, even though there wasn't trust there, I had to just, you know, forge this belief that this was going to happen because I I just couldn't die. Yeah. And so I had to have the faith and the trust and the belief because I believed for you and for him and for her. Everybody else. Yes. But for myself, I had just been too wretched. I'd done too many things that were wrong. I had done too many, you know, poor choices in my life that I wasn't worth that. And that was a belief that I had become to believe, you know, growing up in my life. And, and, um, part of, I think what led me into illness, you know, as a child is, you know, when you can have toxicity lie in your, in your minds and it can bring in your body and, you know, you know, just multiply. So, so anyways, I had I, I entered, I, I was able to, you know, fly there and I was just determined. I thought, well, I'll just sleep in the airport until the money comes in, you right. know, so the rest of the money, because I had to believe. Well, and you had, and like you said, so, I mean,
0: people don't understand when you say you didn't have the money, you literally did not have the money at that time, right? Li-
1: like literally, like no more credit cards, no more everything. I mean, we spent everything, you know, when you're given three months to live, and you've done you know, 30 some prescriptions and all these years of what all the doctors have done and several surgery, heart, lungs you know, surgery, stomach surgeries, all these different things that you've done and there's nothing left. Right. There's no money left. There's just, we were, I was stripped. Yeah. Like there was just look like, like there was no more opportunity now.
0: So and you were praying so for a miracle. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Yes. Literally, that's what, what it was. And that is what, you know, and in, in, interestingly now, because now I'm going through healing with financials and with money, but how that relates to how I, I didn't realize that I was, I based my worth on money right in, in my, in my past, in my life. And that was one of the things I believe that was brought to me, like uh, just recently of a lesson learning is that, you know, I, I was there, I was picked up at the, you know, I figured I would just sleep on the floor if I had to, whatever it took. And I was going to wait. And so grace, gracefully, Cindy, the the owner of Angel Farms, they wouldn't leave me sleeping on the floor um, because they are love. They are God equals love. So, you know, they picked me up and, and you know, brought me onto the farm. And I just remember as I entered the farm, there's a big white gate with these angels. And I do have some memory. Um, it, was, it was very broken because of the belief of the Alzheimer's disease. Right. Yeah. Um, so that it wasn't that you know but but anyway that was the belief And so I do remember and I remember as I arrived on this property with these people that I had just met I felt like I'd arrived home for the very first time in my life oh my god that's awesome that's that's it's a really great place to stop for a break (laughs) though I hate
0: to cut you off because Mm -hmm. I just I love hearing this story We'll be right back. You're listening to CIOE 97.5 FM. Welcome back to Find Your Sparkle with Jen, and welcome back, Angie. Now, just before break, you had created this visual of arriving at Angel Farms with the big angels there. So can you continue with that and tell us what you must have been feeling? Because I know I can't even imagine, Angie, because you had no money. You were basically contemplating sleeping on the floor and then at you at an airport at the airport, <laughs> and you know you arrive at this beautiful place, and Cindy takes you under her wing, so to speak.
1: Right. Yes. Yeah. So I literally, as like I said, I arrive on the property, and I, I I didn't wasn't saying much, you know, but I just and I don't remember a ton. I just remember the feeling that I had, and I was uh, I'm I'm a five foot ten woman, um, so I'm fairly tall. Um, or average tall, I would say, but I, I was a shrunken over, you know, hunched back. If you can imagine, I was like hunched, I was a hunched back over, you know, it's Walker wheelchair type looking, you know, so uh, visually, you know, if at that point looking much older than I was and hunched. And like I said, when I arrived there, I felt like, what is this place? Like i arrived home and all of a sudden I felt like I was a very tall spirit. Like I could just feel myself straightening up a little bit and I remember thinking like, what is this place? Hmm. Like, what, what is this place? Cause I had never felt like this before. Right. And, and so I, I mean, of course it was aesthetically beautiful. It's, it's on the big island in Hawaii, um, on a beautiful, you know, island, um, off of beautiful river and, um, you know, green and a very beautiful place to go to heal.
0: Right. Um,
1: and so I, I, uh, I gradually started the, you know, the journey as I'm going there. So I really, really went there with full surrender because I didn't want to die. So there wasn't a lot of thought to what is this program doing? What will I be doing? You know, I just was there to just show up and to not die. Right. No expectation other than not dying. Right. I didn't. And and I believe that that's how God wanted it to be because Mm -hmm. I am coming back, coming from uh, like a design and engineering background. I who what when or why how and I might have questioned myself out of actually out of it, right? Um, and so I know now that that was part of the reason why I needed to be clouded, um, but it was really I was in full surrender and I was t- it was taken in down to this beautiful little guest home and I had this you know it's cute my favorite color is purple my room ended up being this cute purple color oh that's so you right. know and I remember feeling super nervous because of. I don't have the money I don't have the money still I remember that going like the money's not here because I'm and I'm staying there and they decided to take me in anyway wow. and, and start the program because uh, when it comes to angel farms one of the things is you know they breed angels and they you know and one of the things she shared with me when she was recently out in Arizona for a visit to to share uh, because a lot of people had seen my story and wanted to meet with her and, and consider going there and she said, you know, the, the difference is, is I came in the most broken, broken woman, just so, so broken, halfway on the other side. And she doesn't see me as broken. She doesn't see anyone coming in as broken. She sees them as a whole person. Right. So she believed and believed the money would be in. And um, and on day four, uh, the exact amount of money that we needed came in wow. to actually include more enough for me to buy a portable kit a portable kit for for what I did, the cleansing that I did, to bring back here to the mainland. Wow. So that's God incredible. provided tenfold
0: and plus more. And that just you know, day it, four. it just really goes to speak to faith and when you surrender what can happen.
1: Yes. And that's the key, you brought up the key word is surrender because this is all about surrender and that's what I'm realizing in, in life and in every single aspect in every walk and everything that I do in my life is it's full surrender and, and we want to keep having that power in our own hands and become our own gods or become our own power or put that in the or put that in the responsibility of our of the, our physicians and our doctors who are human right. So they, you know, who in this day and age, a lot of times only saw me as a body part, never saw me as a human, never saw me as a whole person, and that was what was so amazing at Angel Farms is they work on the entire whole person. It you know that they difference. talk about the chair, not just not just a, a, a you know like a bar stool, not just three. to talk about a chair. You know your body, spirit. In your emotional and your physical, and all of those are so key and core and healing and whole body healing. Oh my golly, absolutely! Um, and I think and we so. F- that's one of the things that we're focused on there is that, which is
0: absolutely incredible. So, when you're through your journey there, you were there. How many days again? Sixteen.
1: So there are total sixteen days. I was on the program for twelve. I was there two days prior um, to when we started. And then two days after. Um, it's a 10-day program. Uh, typically, you know, uh, people that go have to stay a little longer depending on, you know, what's left. I had, you know, I'd passed, you know, I'd, I'd cleared out and cleansed out, you know, t- several parasites and heavy metals and candidas and all kinds of different toxins and wow. stuff that had been removed from my body. So the, the cool part was, is that on day nine, I had gone there, you know, kind of drooling and out of it and, um, not being able to walk and, and, and well, I mean, I, I wouldn't, I don't want to say walk because I could get around on a, on a walker, but, but at times I couldn't,
0: right. um,
1: not certainly not driving. I had been, you know, I'd burned up pans in my house, probably almost every pan we owned because I would leave, I could, my memory was gone. I would leave the car running in the garage, shut water running for eight or nine hours. Wow. You oh my god. So I was really not well to be doing, you know, that's where I was at in my brain. And by cow. day 9, I was so so blessed to be able to rent a car and to, by myself, you know. So by myself is a big deal because I was so dependent for right. so such a long time. And so by myself and I rented it and I drove myself down to the ocean there on the Big Island and at that point they did not have a black sand beach cuz the the volcanic hadn't come through like it just did this last past year. So I gently climbed down the lava rock into the ocean and I just got to wade in the water in the ocean and there were sea turtles under me swimming around. And I was, I was just, I was, you know, the closest I'd been to God and, you know, probably ever in my life because I had known him, but I didn't, I didn't have a relationship with him. And that was kind of the beginning of a relationship and, and, And a victory, you know, showing that, you know, I was told I would never walk again on these hips. You know, I was told that I would never, you know, by a doctor, orthopedic doctor here where I live locally, and and the best, you know, the best in the city, and said, you know, you'll never walk again on those hips. You know, here's a walker in a wheelchair, and I had about a year left to live at that time. So it was a very, very big deal for me to be able to to do that you know that's
0: huge I mean that is huge I mean for anyone who's had any kind of an ailment that you know I I can remember breaking my hand and thinking you know I'm never going to take this for granted but I cannot imagine being in that position where you were and what you must have felt that day when you actually were confident enough to go get a car and walk down lava rocks to the ocean I mean that is just absolutely incredible and certainly speaks volumes to the kind of treatment that you were receiving at angel Farms. wow
1: yes it does very very much so in fact i had incurable lung disease um starting you know i was four years old and it was you know asthma it became severe over the years and it kept me from so much it was more of a handicap for me than a walker in a wheelchair was because it was for most of my life and I, that was I had been on, you know, steroids for six years. The doctors couldn't get me off of them, and that was what, part of what was leading me to death. Was that is something a drug that will kill you that they weren't able to get me off of? And when I was at Angel Farms, I was I was able to get off all of that medication. Which was, I mean, every time here I would go in the hospital and nearly die for it. So it was such that was a huge miracle because I left the breathing machine, the medications, the walker, the wheelchairs. I left all of it there at Angel Farms.
0: Wow. That is incredible. So talk about your journey when you came back home. So you had this incredible healing. You came back home. Of course, that's not the end of your journey, but that was the
1: beginning of a huge transition for you. Right, right. That was the beginning of a whole new life. I mean, 100% new life for me. Um, And a couple months after I had come home, well, as as real, let me just real quick go back to Angel Farms talking about whole body healing. Really quick is one of the things is is we you know work in the physical modalities, obviously the emotional, mental, and so we did a lot of inner child work. Right. When, when I was there, I should I shouldn't say a lot. We did some inner child work, um, and um, going back into that healing process um, of forgiveness, that was one of the key things of forgiveness, and you're asked. She asks specific questions and then, you know, decides who we're going to, who we're going to discuss. And, um, that was one of the things that I, I, I did, but there was two things that I didn't want to do when I was there that I remember. And I did not want to look at parasites at all. And I'm grateful that I did because now it helps me to remember what to not put in my body so that I don't have those anymore. And the second thing was, is I did not want to discuss my biological father. Right. And that's what she wanted. That's that's where she wanted to go after she, she asked me, you know, some of those pointed questions and I, you know, and so I did say to her, I don't want to, you know, I did say I don't want to do that, discuss that. And she's like, no, this is what we're discussing. And I surrendered. Right. And I praise God that I surrendered because that's what brought forth, you know, um, a huge healing and a huge, you know, like we talked about, like an, like a huge healing story that came out of this this original one. And so I, I arrive home um, after coming back from Angel Farms, and and at this point, just to make note. I knew I had 45 different diagn- diagnoses, but there was never a known cause. It was always a mystery. There was right. this mystery. And so a couple months after I come back, you know, I had learned all these different things to do. I had learned, you know, not just physical healing stuff, but I learned how it's all interconnected to how our organs are interconnected to our thoughts and our brain and our feelings and our thought process and how, you know, the organs are like literally, like, you're, you know, if your livers have upset it's you know connected to anger and just different all these different things that I had learned and that I was putting into place now and and working on and um, realizing that really and truly what was really so uh, noisy and what was happening in my life at that time was you know in between my ears I was so busy and my mind was going and the anxiety was revved and and I was like, well, wait a minute, I thought all this stuff was healed, and like, what? where are we at now? And and this began a new journey for me um, of realizing, wow, if I don't heal my head and my heart and become right, you know, straight up with the Lord, you know, that this is going to all re-manifest in my life.
0: Wow, that's incredible. Um, we're almost out of time, Angie, but I want to let our audience know that we do have a part two that's coming up next week, and Angie is going to continue her story and her journey uh, and which, I mean, for me, I think it's absolutely incredible. And I, and I know that there are people out there who will be definitely, definitely impacted. So we're almost ready to sign off. But before we do, Angie, I'm going to ask you one thing that
1: makes you sparkle. One thing that makes me sparkle is that I now know in my life that I am here for a purpose. Um, and I'm here to live my purpose and I can't not live my purpose. I have to live my purpose in Christ. I have to, um, and it's this insatiable desire that it's my oxygen. Oh my God. So it's so important for me to sparkle where when I meet somebody, that's awesome. Or well, when I enter a place, I want to leave them better than when I left them. I love that. That's, that's one of the reasons why I, one
0: of the reasons why I love you so much. <laughs> We're going to uh-huh. sign off and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Find Your Sparkle with Jen and special thanks to Ron for producing this episode. You're listening to CIOE 97.5 FM. Remember, go out and do something that makes you sparkle. Good afternoon and welcome to Find Your Sparkle with Jen, where you'll be informed, inspired and entertained. I'm your host, Jennifer Stewart, owner of Jazz Potential and creator of Find Your Sparkle. And today I am super excited to have back with us Angie Chance, my friend from Arizona, who shared some of her story last week and is going to share more of her story this week. And I think that probably one of the the big themes today will be around forgiveness. So welcome back, Angie. It's great to have you here again. Great. Thank you. Great to be back. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Oh my God. I I love to share your story because it's so absolutely incredible. Now for people who didn't hear your episode last week, you were talking about a journey that you had with Angel Farms in Hawaii for some healing and where you kind of left off was when you were doing some work and the the topic was talking about your dad and you really resisted. You had mentioned that that was one topic that you kind of, it was taboo for you, but that's not how it stayed, is it? So let's start there and you can
1: kind of set the stage and tell us about your journey with your dad. Okay. So yeah, when I was at angel farms and that's what I had discussed last week that, you know, in the inner child healing, um, that goes on is part of the healing, um, She will, you know, question and determine where where we need to go for that. And she had brought up after questioning my biological father. And instantly I said, no, Um, I didn't want to I didn't want to go there.
0: And why did you not want to go there?
1: I had tucked that away um, for myself, um, not realizing it at the time. I didn't realize that, but I know that now. Right. And I resisted that because I had I had not seen. not seen my biological father in 30 years at the time.
0: Wow, that's a long
1: time. Yeah, very long time. And I didn't actually know him as a father to me, a daddy or a father. Um, He had left my mother when I was very young, and I had spent, um, um, he had, um, you know, left my mother and uh, ended up. So I didn't know him as a safe daddy. I don't remember that part of him. I just remember a traumatic kidnapping wow. um, that I I endured, and that he and his wife were a part of. So and can you? So talk, it was a very traumatic so, start with, well, with you, the memory of him,
0: right? And you just said kidnapping. So let's talk about that for a second. What? Pardon? Okay. <laughs> Tell our our, our no. listeners about that because that's not something you hear every day.
1: Yeah, so I I was four years old, and um, I had my younger brother was two, and I think my older sister might have been five uh, at the time. But I I know I was four, and um, we uh, had a paper boy come to our door, and the paper boy actually ended up being the woman's son, but was dressed up as a paper boy, and I don't remember all of the details of how we got with them and those types of things. But we ended up, you know, they discover where we were at and they ended up um, kidnapping us and taking us. And, and they actually did, um, it was like a demonic religious uh, kidnapping. Oh, my golly. Um,
0: Whoa.
1: Yeah. So we did some very, like, religious things. Um, and then there was some demonic where we would go see, like, witch doctors and do some witch doctor things. Holy smokes. Um, and um, certain drinks we had to do and things you put in your body and um, very traumatic experience. Wow. Um, and so it wasn't it, this man that we called my father that she wanted to discuss wasn't somebody who was of comfort to me. It was right. Somebody that I really wanted to go and talk about. Cheapers And. And so, um, you know, praise God, you know, three weeks in my mother, um, who, who fought by her, you know, tooth and nail and knowing, you know, was able to find us and, and, you know, God literally brought miracles to where she was able to get to us and to find us. Oh my goodness. You know, get the police involved and to get us, you know, receive, get us, you know, get us back into her care. And so I had that memory of of him, you know, and I remember, you know, just, um, I mean, there was, like I said, some of the demonic stuff that went on. So that was very traumatizing because I didn't really understand what that meant or what it was, but I was very aware of it at a very young age. Um, and also made me feel, I think, different maybe too than other children or other, because I had seen something that I just didn't know if it was okay to discuss or to talk about. Right. Um, or was it really real? you know and, and those types of things and so um i did then um i saw him again one time i believe a few years down the road he had left that woman and he had hitchhiked to where i just remember where we lived in phoenix arizona and to say hi to us and I was a little confused we Had a little visit and then I remember my mom taking him to it we took him to a health food store and we dropped him off the freeway to hitchhike somewhere and then I didn't you know I didn't you know know him. I mean then I then I again saw him at 14 um I lived in northern Arizona and I he had, he came showed up out of the blue um, but i was i was afraid of this man because i didn't right. know him Right. I, he was a scary man to me he wow. he was harmful to me i also wasn't allowed to speak we weren't allowed to speak about him you know to our, in the family we weren't allowed to bring him up you know around grandma and grandpa or, oh my or cousins we it's, weren't allowed yeah. to you know ask questions and anything my mother said was horrible so i didn't i didn't know this man and i was afraid of him so we did have a little visit when he came the last visual I remember was he was bathing in Slide Rock. Wow. Hence, he was a homeless man, and it um, took us out into the woods to have a barbecue. And I honestly thought, like, it was dark. I thought maybe well, we were going to be killed because I didn't know who I didn't know this man, and we we're out in the woods with him in Sedona. Oh my golly! And so that was the scary visual I have of this man that was my father. Wow. And. Hence why I really didn't want to discuss my father when she brought it up. I thought I had tucked it away and it really didn't need to be discussed. Um, But I didn't want to die. So that's the reason why I, I mean, so this is how stubborn I was, you know. (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing what we can do to ourselves. I don't want to die, so let's do it, you know, let's go. I I thought honestly I had bigger issues with my stepdad because I had a lot more trauma I felt from that him being in my life even currently mm. versus what I could tuck away that my biological father had done. Well,
0: and I guess that's a really good point, Angie, because we don't think about all of those things that are in our subconscious that we do tuck away and how much they actually do have an impact
1: on us. And usually they're the culprits because they're hidden. Oh, and I'm mean, going and that is such, I'm glad that you, you saw that in that, because that is the key of what we really want to share with listeners. Yes. It's because I was, So unaware that that very thing of having that disconnect with my biological father was my disconnect to my worth, my disconnect to my trust in God, my disconnect to my trust because father meant to me pain, it meant to me harm, it meant to me those things. And how could a loving father do those things? And even though I knew, like I said, I knew who God was and I knew all about Him, and I prayed, I I didn't have a relationship and i I know that that is because I did not have a healed relationship with my biological father now, and isn't hindsight
0: great? Now you can sit back and you can say everything. it makes a lot more sense, right? Yes, and had I not
1: taken that chance, had I not just stepped and leaped and jumped off the cliff to do it, though, it would have never happened. Well so that- it ha- you know and, and and it does it takes courage and and for me it took me to nearly die. So I, I was having to be pushed over the edge. And I thank God for the second chance that He's given me to be able to do that.
0: Oh, my goodness. That's that is amazing. So once you conceded that, okay, you know what, I don't want to die. Let's talk about my father. What happened?
1: So we went and we, we did the session about my father and I accepted it. You know, I did. I surrendered. And and I do, I, I love him, I loved him, and I wanted him, and I wanted to be a, dad, a little girl to him, and I wanted to be, you know, I I used to always look around at father and daughters and just, you know, I'd be sad and went, wish I had that and and yearn for that, you know, in him, even though he wasn't that to me. Right. You know, but that's who you want it to be just because it's, you know, that's, that's where I came from, and that's what you desire. And so when, when she shared that with me, so I thought, okay, well... You know, it wasn't like, you know, it's, it's it's literally like planting a seed and growing something, right. you know, or, or like a butterfly, you know, it's starting out in the cocoon. And so that was, it was, it was planted in me. And it was something that I took home with me, but not super cautious, con, consciously. Right. You know, I know I had done it. I know we had discussed it. I know now it's time that I keep, I need to start, you know, really engaging on how, and how do I even how do I forgive this man? Like, right. how do I forgive somebody who will never be able to tell me I apologize for what I did to you? He's not he I mean, and not only that, like he's he's been missing for 30 years. So right. we, we you know, he thought to he's he, at this point, you know, I haven't seen him in 30 years. My grandfather died at 90. That's been three years ago now, uh, maybe three and a half, about three, three years ago. And you know, we were all grateful because we did know that while he was missing, he was also a homeless man. Right. And so he um, he wasn't living. You know, he didn't have a zip code. You know, he didn't have a phone number. Yeah. So there was nowhere. You know. So and so so as I'm going through my this healing, right, I come back. I realize a couple months in. Wow, if I don't heal my head, my heart heal, you know, thinking about relationships and, you know, then you're getting down to another, you know, all these, these deeper layers of realizing, wow, you know, if this isn't healed, you know, we're going to start re-manifesting illness again. And, and, and uh, that's
0: a really good point. I just want to stop for one second there, Angie, because mm-hmm. that's sometimes is things that we forget, right? It, you have to get to that core. Otherwise, like you say, I mean, you've done, you spent all that time doing all that work but there's still some
1: pieces that need to get some attention. Exactly. And, and you think, and I really did think, you know, so to give, you know, to give, you know, a visual is I really did think, you know, like, Oh wow. Cause I had so many amazing miracles, you know, I mean, I was in heart failure and I was in this and I was healed from all that. And I was on you know, insulin diabetic and all these miracles came, you know, and then all of a sudden, like, you know, so so all these things are happening, right? Well, now my mind isn't focused on that. My mind isn't always, you know, I be, you become self-preoccupied with all those things, you know, which which is very unhealthy. Those things were pulled away now, and now it was time to really start looking at, wow, what's going on in Angie and her head and her heart? And that was a very sobering moment for me, realizing, wow, if if I don't do this work, true work on me, and just, you know and i and i don't just I have to get up and I have to really do the work. I can't just put out a fire here and a fire there by taking a pill here and doing this here and you know going to sleep or you know I really had to to face what was happening you know and and that was a sobering moment, and that was anxiety also you know riding up for me in that area oh my and goodness. but that also brought a great awareness of how critical it was that I did go to these places and that I did have to feel through them. Oh my golly. Abs- heal them.
0: Absolutely. And that is a perfect segment to have a quick break. You're listening to CIOE 97.5 FM and we will be right back. Welcome back to find your sparkle with Jen and welcome back Angie. Now just before break, you were talking about how you had that realization that you really had to focus on your inner healing before you could truly yeah. be healed talk a little bit about that yeah
1: and that was like that was actually a huge aha moment where you know when you think back and you can remember you know like recently we had 9-11 so I mean I remember exactly where I was when I heard about it and that was kind of like this kind of moment for me as I was standing in my kitchen and you know listening to something extreme anxiety wow and and when I was I was so clouded with all the other illnesses and all the other medications that now I'd become so much more aware a lot of the things that I had ta- learned at Angel Farms had taught me how such self-awareness and, and those types of things so <clears throat> so this forgiveness thing was something for me that was like a little evasive I thought I really had forgiven before people and I really I mean, and I believe that I have, but I hadn't to this degree. Um, and for me, it was like, you know, that was still, you know, an open story in my life, an open, broken story, um, my father. And so one of the things, you know, like I said, it was, you know, this, it, and it started, it was like planting a seed, you know, at, when I was at Angel Farms, and she started that with me. Right. And, you know, you don't really see this. You know, you don't see the roots coming up. You don't see those roots growing. You don't really see any of that stuff. That's lots going of stuff on happening around. under the ground. <laughs> exactly, and it's like this is what I call. You know, what I'm so thankful for is that you know, there's always a higher power. You always have, you know, God there that's that's working and interweaving in our lives, or we have no idea that, that that's happening when we we decide to put forth. In action to that, when we decide to heal, when we choose to heal, you know, when you, when you know, when you believe, you will receive, and that's that was the key for me. I was starting to believe, and I was starting, and I and it took you know it took those seeds, and it took some convincing from myself to say, you know, I trust, you know, you trust, and I had to say that, you know, I trust you, God, I trust you, God, and so. So as that was sort of going on, I had that going on with my father and and not consciously thinking about him every day. Right. You know, and, you know but, but I've always had, because he was a homeless man, I knew he had some mental illness issues. I've always had a big heart for that. And I've always had a big heart for, you know, making sure that, you know, homeless feel, you know, they're seen and heard and, you know, when I, when I meet with them and I talk to them, I always ask their name and I always, you know, see if I can give them a hug because yeah. they, they're just as important as us. They're right. just, we're all equal, you know, and that's somebody's father and that's somebody's, you know, son and that's God's son and that's somebody's brother and daddy. And so, um, you know, though I didn't have this attachment with him, I did have an attachment with that. Right And the idea of what I had, and so so as i 'm going through this this journey of healing and i'm i 'm working now i'm i 'm working with coaches, and i 'm knowing that gosh, I have to really like heal like i said this this other I spent more money now on my on on the other type of healing on you know my emotional spiritual right. and my mental healing mental well health, health healing. You know, because now it's like this drive that I have because of the miracles I've been given. Right, and so I start really having um, a heart for finding my father. He's missing now. I've got this big family. There's, they've, you know, and I'm wondering why. You know, he's got ten siblings, and I'm wondering why nobody is like trying to find him, and why right. nobody wants to lay him to rest properly. Well, and you had thought he was, was,
0: you thought he was dead, right? You thought you were looking for bones, his remains. Well, we
1: were looking, well, we were looking, yeah. And that's what we were looking for. But I, but for some reason, as I'm going through this, you know, I mean, some months are going by here and I'm, you know, probably, you know, maybe six months after this, you know, after my Angel Farms experience and it's just really becoming something aliven me more and more for, and I don't, I don't, like I said, it was like the roots were, you know, the roots were growing down into, you know, deep down into the earth. The roots were, you know, all those things were happening that I wasn't even noticing and seeing, but I had set an intention. I had prayed for it. I continued to pray for it, but I didn't focus on it on a daily basis. And pretty soon all of a sudden my spirit was just, you know, I've always, like I said, I've always had a heart, so I've always been involved with homeless and helping and serving and Nonprofit work and those types of things and and I I just had a really like deepness in me that I need to find my father and I need to lay him to rest properly because I felt like wow this man like you know he is my father and he shouldn't just be some you know John Doe out there with you know I don't I don't know you know yeah and so it was just becoming something to me and I was a little I had felt you know, a little bit upset with my family because I thought, you know, we never talked about him because we weren't allowed to. It was something right. that was like, well, we don't talk about it. And so I was a little, I had mentioned that not long ago to an aunt of mine. I said, I would really like to know about my father before you guys pass away and every memory of him is gone because right. I don't know anything about him. And that, I realized that that, because that's, that's part of who I am. Absolutely and so I don't know that part I don't know that part of me, and I need to know that to close a story. how did people so respond I did share that with them
0: How did they respond it's, to I, you being curious now and, and having this new um, mission?
1: well i do i I shared it with one of my aunts who was with just one, and she, her husband had recently passed away, and so we were talking about that and I said, you know my my kids never got to hear we come from a very you know a, a very a long line of LDS of Mormon family and they're all about you know sharing at reunions and sharing family stories and family history. And so we, I got we get to do all that but not with my father. And so I actually had a little bit of resentment because I said all of your kids know everything. I said, I don't get to share anything with my children about my father because I don't know anything about him except the scary things. right. Which you is know, a shame. So she actually did say, you know, I will see what I can do oh, to good. get you some information. And that was my aunt Pam. And so she did. She did set out to do that. Um, I didn't know that she did at the time, but I had shared that and I kind of left it where it was at and thought to myself and told my husband, you know, if they don't, you know, care to find him, then I, I feel like God's trying to say that we we should do that. So we started putting in motion um, looking for him and for his remains. Um, not, we didn't go super deep into it at this point yet, but that was all, all going in motion. And I still, I mean, I, I hadn't come, I mean, to a full forgiveness, but I had felt, now, now I felt like a connection, like, right. wow, that's my dad. I'm a daughter, you know? I mean, and I never felt that way before. I never felt that I was a daughter to him. And so i have been going through coaching, like we did, we were discussing and going through and one of my assignments in my coaching was that, you know, I'd been, you know, laid up for seven years you know, chronically ill. And so I had, you know, bins and bins of paperwork, you know, that you just don't go through, you know, in life. It's too much in life, you know, or, you know, and so I'd had, you know, and so that was one of the, one of the assignments I had was, you know, by, and I picked the, you know, I get to pick the assignment, you know, but it was like that I would go through by, this is Tuesday, by Sunday midnight, I would have gone through every single bin, bag, you know, whatever that I've filing cabinet thing. You know, and if I had didn't touch it, that it was going to go in the garbage. Right. And so that was my assignment that week. And so I was so excited. I got the assignment done, you know, every closet in the house, every bin in the garage, and everywhere. He took, did it by 10 o'clock Sunday night. Got to report it to him my next week. Look, I got my assignment done. I felt so accomplished. And um, and by the next week, I was in my in my closet and I look up and I see this really, really old black bag hmm. and it's got like, you know, a quarter of an inch of dust on it. And I thought, <laughs> how did I miss that bag? You know, kind of a briefcase bag. Right. Right. So not just, so I'm thinking, Oh, great. I'm going to, whatever's in it, I have to throw away. And I'm very, very committed. I am all in. If I say I will do it, I will do it. So I'm, if I, I was going to th- have to throw everything away in that bag because I committed to it and I will not lie. Right. And so, I mean, that's one of the things that changed my life, too, is, like, I will not be dishonest ever, not even to a white lie, because it's just about God. It doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. It's just the truth. Right. And so I just was very truth, and I thought, okay, so I thought, well, you know, I am a woman, and I do need to know what I'm throwing away. Yes. <laughs> After all, right, I to see what's in this bag that I'm going to be discarding. So I could maybe catch a picture, and maybe it wouldn't be a big deal. So I pull the bag down, and I take it down into my living room and I get rag and I'm dusting it off and I'm thinking where did this come from cuz I thought I took everything and gone through the whole house. And I open it up and I see there's a a baggie, you know, like a gallon-sized baggie with um with a with letters in there. You know, back years ago, remember when they did the legal size letter yes. paper? Yep. And the yellow and so yep. there were there were like folded by thirds and I saw about six or seven letters in there. And I got a flashback of a memory of when I was young and this was after the kidnapping, you know, and during some of those years that, you know, I didn't see him, you know, or I mean, cause I didn't really get to know him, but he had sent letters, some huh. letters.
0: Interesting.
1: And I, Oh, op- I opened it up and here were letters from my father. Wow. And I was shocked because everything of mine from when my childhood was, was burned in a fire Oh my goodness! Um, as an adult, and so I was—that was—I believe that was all in it. And so I was like, "Where did this come from?" And so I do remember vaguely getting letters from him as a young younger child, but not—it didn't feel like it was a scary man, so I right. didn't, it didn't connect for me. Absolutely. So, as uh- I'm opening these letters and I start reading it, and all of a sudden, as I'm reading these letters, that he's written to me as a child, and all of a sudden, I'm just overcome and overwhelmed with emotion and love and peace, and I'm reading these letters from my father, and it was like I was his little girl. Oh, and something I was you actually, always for wanted. The first time, for the first time in my life, I was reading a letter from my father, from my daddy, and I was able to receive it from him as his little girl.
0: Oh, my gosh. Wow, that's absolutely incredible. We're almost out of time, Angie, but can you, I know that this is really hard to sum up in like a one minute, but can you do like a one-minute summary after that? Because there is a happy ending <laughs> that we want to there, leave with. I we want to me. leave that with our audience.
1: Yes, the happy ending is is that I did was able to receive these letters. Um, soon after I was headed up to a three-day Christian concert with my husband, I got a call from my Aunt Pam, the one I had shared I went like some information with and I had thought well gosh why is she calling she's never called me in my life and I thought well my grandma might be passing or might have died she's 93 so instead I get a phone call and she says you know Angie this is Pam and I said okay and she said are you sitting down and I said I'm sitting down and and she paused for a minute and made me wait and then she said you know we found your father wow and I said Died or alive and she said he's alive
0: wow and
1: um yeah so, you've so actually,
0: sorry, you we, actually okay. sorry we are out of time angie but you did get to have that reunion with your dad
1: and absolutely i got to meet him and i brought a picture of myself from when i was four from when he kidnapped me and i knew he would remember who i wow. was yeah and i didn't need any forgiveness i didn't need anything from him i was able to give him compassion forgiveness love and I got to sit with my father and have pictures taken with my father. And where is he, he asked me to put his veteran hat on, and oh. he doesn't speak much. He's got Parkinson's disease, so there's really no communication. So it was all just kind of like soul communication and a little bit of talking.
0: And that's what it's all but about. But it was the
1: greatest, greatest miracle of my life. Oh, my and gosh. And when that happened is when I actually finally received Christ because I, I knew I was worthy now. Oh, my and gosh. And I was a father. I love that. I was, a, I was a daughter. So oh my gosh. That was, that's what opened that gate for me. There's the next segue. Oh my golly, that is absolutely
0: incredible. It has been an absolute pleasure talking with you. Thank you so much for sharing that. I mean, it's definitely an incredible story and I totally look forward to sharing it and I look forward to hearing more and catching up with you. You're listening to Find Your Sparkle with Jen on CIOE 97.5 FM. Remember, go out and do something that makes you sparkle today. And special thanks to Ron for producing this episode. We'll see you next time.